and then we just started this thing called Van City Buzz. We and we started telling stories that were really just like, for us, were neighborhood stories, you know, or people we knew stories, you know, friends that we had kind of made throughout our years, and they, you know, some of them are like artists, or they started a T-shirt line, or they, you know, one of them had a store and, and still around and on Hornby Street. We just told their stories, and 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 we told them in a casual manner. It wasn't really like it was a blog. And I fell in love with the idea of creating stuff. Today on Afternoon Tea, we are super excited. I know I'm definitely excited because we get to talk to the Carm Sumo, Vancouver's favorite, Vancouver's sweetheart, if you even will, uh, because I think Carm is Vancouver. And uh, let me just break this down first. Before before I, you know, we get into the nitty gritty, Carm, let me say this. Carm Sumo is the co-founder and CEO of Daily Hive, previously known as Van City Buzz. What started out as a passion project in his basement in South Vancouver has now evolved into the biggest online publication in Western Canada. Daily Hive is a Canadian-born online user established in 2008 that creates compelling, hyper-local content. Daily Hive embraces the unique qualities that exist in a city and report it to produce genuine conversation among communities. With unique thematic channels such as dished, mapped, and urbanized, Daily Hive delivers top-tier information to its local audience and advertisers in Vancouver, Toronto, Calgary, Edmonton, Edmonton, Montreal, I said Edmonton twice because it's so nice, <laughs> Seattle, and Port Portland Farm, thanks so much for joining us today. Nah, you're welcome, buddy. Thanks. That was actually one of the best intros I've had. <laughs> well, me, so I appreciate that. Fantastic, fantastic. And, well, and, and I think, yeah, and I think you're the one of the few people that said uh, Edmonton is a, is a is a is a nice place. I have been once to Edmonton in the last twenty years, and it was glorious. Did you go to the mall? Uh, no, I went to a conference and honestly, I was happy. happy. I, I don't want to say this because they've got great hockey teams, no, I actually, suppose, yeah. but I was yeah. happy to get, I was happy to get back to Vancouver. It was cold and, uh, um, flat, but, uh, anyhow, you know what I want to ask about daily hive. Obviously everyone wants to know about daily hive, but I have one super important question first. Like this is the most important question of the day. Does your grandmother really cook or look like Padma Lakshmi? <laughs> No, that was just like a, it was like a trend on Brown Twitter. All the Brown Twitter was making, it was just making light of how we were joking around, how people are just so easily fooled on, on social media. And, uh, you know, I saw it. I was like, man, this guy, like, this guy looks like Just Rain, who's that Toronto YouTuber who's super famous, right? Yep. And I was like, this guy, that's not his grandpa from like 1954. So I started dig, like going digging. I was like, everybody's just doing this. And then I was like, well, I got to make something totally I, my caption was so stupid. I thought people would totally get it. I picked someone that's pretty famous mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it still fooled a lot of people. I don't think anyone got it. I didn't see anyone in the comments that said it. And the I brown thought it was people, hilarious. The brown people got it. They did? Okay. Because well, <laughs> they, they, they knew the trend, right? So they knew. Uh, and they, they looked uh, at my caption and it's like, she's cooking for like 30 people and she's smiling. My grandma wouldn't be smiling if she's cooking for 30 people. Oh, She'd be yelling at everybody. I, like, yo, get here and help me out. But Let's I love do this. hearing how many people said your grandma's so hot, and that's not a comment you usually get, right? And uh, anyway, I thought it was genius. I I I thought it was pretty funny, and uh, um, you know what? I I want to fool people that way, but uh, you know, the, the, the... let's get straight to the nitty gritty. Tell me about the founding of Daily Hive. Where did it come from, and why? Oh, like honestly, like I'd love to give you like this crazy story, like oh, we had this genius idea and everything, but it was really born out of boredom. 
with me and my buddy Manny playing. We used to like we do this thing and we still do it to this day where we get together once a weekend. Me, my brother, my, my co-founder Manny and, and his cousin and our friend uh, Prab. We all get together and play video games once a week. You know, now we do it online, you know, stream. We used to get together in person at my, my brother's house and, 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 and once a week we'd play whatever game. Didn't even matter. Just an excuse to get together. So we'd always play video games. We were bored. We were always kind of, uh, you know, we're, we were greedy kids, but we didn't know how to make money. And we were stuck in like, not dead end jobs, but you know, when you enter the workforce in your 20s, you're not making much. And we had ambitions to make more, but the ambitions weren't to like start a business. It was like, I had ambitions because I wanted to buy Nike or I wanted to buy a video game, but I couldn't with my current wages because it was not enough to even like, you know, cover a lifestyle and pay, pay off debt. So out of that, we were like, well, how do we make money? on the side while we still keep our job and you know he said let's make some internet money and i was like okay that sounds like we can we have access to the internet like okay well how and then he's like well maybe we start a website and i was like i don't know how to do that and he's like oh it's okay man blogspot google does it for you sweet and then we just started this thing called van city buzz we and we started telling stories that were really just like for us were neighborhood stories you know or people we knew stories you know, friends that we had kind of made throughout our years. And, they, you know, some of them are like artists or they started a t-shirt line or they, you know, one of them had a store and, and still around and on Hornby Street. We just told their stories and, 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 and we told them in a casual manner. It wasn't really like, it was a blog. And I fell in love with the idea of creating stuff and, you know, and writing and telling the stories. I wasn't particularly good at the writing. But I knew what stories kind of were we wanted to tell and, and when to tell them and how to kind of weave them in. Um, and I just fell in love with it. But like it didn't we didn't make any money. Nobody was reading us. Um, but I, it, 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 it triggered something in me that I didn't know existed. You know, I was just following that path that everybody tells you. Go to school, you know, get a job. Then you're going to go get married, start a family. And then, you know, you put all your energy into your your, 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 your kids, if you, you're so lucky to have some, right. And it's that simple. It, yeah. It so, yeah, in, yeah. And in between there's a whole bunch of shit, but like, you know, that's what I was like, well, this is like, I don't know. And I was like, then this whole thing came through and I was like, maybe life isn't so simple and, 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 and it's, it's, it's wacky and crazy and there's a lots of ups and downs, but it's going to be fun. Cause I was like bored, you know, we were stagnating. And we kind of fell in love with this. We weren't making money, but I, I would like, I, I tell people this to, to this day, if I, I would do something like this for free, just because it gives me joy. That's and I stopped playing video games and I would spend all my free time doing that. And that's when I knew it was important because usually before I would just play video games. That says, oh. that's a lot. You know what? I have a talk a lot, especially with young people, uh, young startup people. And they're always like, oh, it's about the money. And I'm always like, no, it's not about the money. You don't get it. It's about the journey. I mean, how many times do you read Lord of the Rings and think about the money they made? You know, it's yeah. about the journey, how they got there. If you don't want an adventure, then just go become an accountant. You know, do, do, yeah. do a job where you can make money. That's great. But if you're a founder, you want to have a love for not only, you know, the creation of what you're doing, but also the journey along the way and the people that you meet and the people that you empower along the way to, to create great things. Well, I, I, you know what? I love that. I love that. And again, that's where, you know, the difference, and I, I kind of touch on this, so we talked a little bit beforehand, there's a big difference between a founder and an executive. 
you know, because the founder and I'm going to I follow you on social media, you do not pull your punches, you know, you are telling it exactly what you have a vision for what the community should be. And you make sure that people understand that that is a vision and you want it's a, it's a vision to be followed. I, I mean, I, I'm still waiting to hear the day that you run for mayor or for, for, for premier <laughs> or something like that, because you're going to have a lot of push for that. Um, but, you know, the fact that you don't hold back, I think that clearly shows how you're a founder. Well, you know, the, the, the date, 2008, I think this is really interesting, too, because there are so many good companies. In, in, in Western Canada and Canada alone that are founded around 2008, because that's when the, um, you know, obviously we had the uh, the big crisis in most yeah. of the states, but it was reflected in Canada too. Do you think that um, that had something to do with it as well, that there was the, you know, the economic downturn? Or was it just pure, I don't want to play video games or, or I want to play more video games and be able to afford it anymore? Uh, you know what, the economic downturn, I would like to say had nothing to do with that. I still have my job. I was fortunate enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it was, you know, we would have probably done, we would have done it regardless. I think if anything, if there was no economic downturn, there'd be probably less of us out there competing and we probably would have been bigger, <laughs> to be honest. I dig that. I dig that. You know, but like, you're right, 2008, there was so many companies born in 2008 and you're going to see so many that are already, like you see them now, that are born in this pandemic recession. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And it's, it's, this is where companies can grow, come out of nowhere. And this is where a lot of companies fail and a lot of companies ascend you know and they take that next leap and 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 it's important it's interesting it's interesting how recessions can it, it really tells test the true character of an individual i feel mm-hmm. you know it's so easy to just throw your hands up and like i'm done you know yeah, i'm well, beat you know as lisa as lisa simpson teaches us you know crisis and opportunity are the same word and uh you know as, as homer likes to put crisis but at the same time it's, it's a total <laughs> it's a total fact right like yeah there when when you're forced to change or adapt yeah. you know you adapt and you you also create great things because it's a it's a it's a necessary you know yeah. um well that that I, I love well at any point when you started doing what you're doing did you have a parent or a friend or something go the media business is dying these this internet's replacing it. the vancouver sun's firing people like what yeah. are you doing trying to create a media empire in the beginning i don't even think my parents knew what the hell i was doing <laughs> You know, and and I think like, you know, that's just a typical immigrant's parent story. They just want you to get a good job and get a career and that's secure and safe. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want you unemployed. That's it. That's their biggest fear. No unemployment and your health, obviously. But I think unemployment almost kind of, sort of it goes up at the top of their list. Um, no, and you know, in the beginning, we didn't even tell many people we were doing this. We kind of kept it very hush hush. Um, we had a bunch of people kind of writing and freelancing with us, but I, I didn't tell many people. And then when we, you know, and I was moonlight, I was still working full time for the first seven years of Daily Hive and Ben City Buzz incarnation. And I didn't quit my full time job because I wasn't really in a position in life to do so. I had a lot of responsibilities, financial responsibilities that wouldn't allow me to do that. So when I quit and I told my parents I was quitting, that was the day when my dad and my mom looked at me like, you're an idiot. You're making this much money. You're probably going to make more in the next few years. And you're going to give that up for, what's, what's this, a website? What's this website? Who reads it? You know, how do you make money off of it? The whole thing. Now they love it. But in that moment, no, they, they thought I was an idiot. You know, that's, that, that's interesting. I think that's, uh, um, if you don't come from a family of entrepreneurs, I think that's such a common thing. Because I had the same conversation with my dad, not not to stop what I'm doing, because he supports everything I do. I'm really lucky. Yeah. My parents are very supportive. But it was, I remember the conversation, because he worked for Air Canada or Canadian Airlines back in the day. And he kind of stopped and goes, 
I don't know why you're, you want to do that. Like, it's just, it sounds scary to me. And, you know, my answer was like, well, heck, I'm living in the love shack in your backyard. Anyhow, I'm pretty, I'm pretty comfortable and safe. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do this. Like, I got to roll the yeah. dice because I don't want to work for the man. You know, I want to create greatness. And, uh, you know, it's, it's our parents' support that gets us there, but it's our own gumption that makes us do what we do. And I'm really glad that they support what you do now, because I think that's super important. Oh, it's very important. I wouldn't, I mean, it'd be so sad if they didn't support it, but they're very supportive now that they see that I've, they've seen the office, they see all the people that we've employed. You know, what we've built here is insane and um, they see it now. But like, yeah, my parents, were, my dad was a cab driver. My mom was a seamstress. You know, they don't know that world. And, and, it, and as scary as it was for them, it was just as scary for me. That was not an sure. easy leap, right? Like, and, and but you got you to gotta get out of your comfort zone. And I think that's what entrepreneurs and founders and people that small business owners, all of them, if you love comfort, then you don't start your own business. Nope, because every right? day is up and down, up and yes. down. And, you know, but now your parents probably described it as, hey, my son, he's got an empire. You know? my, dad, my dad gives out, uh, he has my business cards. He gives mm-hmm. out my business cards. I don't even use my business cards. That's awesome. He gives them out when he uses them. He hasn't driven a cab in a while because of the pandemic, but yeah, yeah, he was yeah. handing out business cards to tourists. He's like, oh, you should check out this website. This website will tell you where to eat, what to do when you're in town. And he's right, though. I mean, that if you're a tourist, it's the best way to find the soul of the city, you know, yes. of, of every city. Well, so, I mean, I think I can understand the question or the answer here, but Van City Buzz, obviously, yeah. it kind of, you know, sticks you to one amazing city, but one city all the same. Why did you change the name? Uh, I got I got bored. And I talked to the team and I was like, do we try expanding mm-hmm. into another market? Let's just test it out. See what happens. What's the worst that happens? We fail. And then we know that we just need to be big here. Fine. So we, we decided to uh, grow in, um, um, in, what was it, Calgary. And, you know, the team wasn't really about it. And I was like, no, we got to do it. I want to test this. And then we did it and we tested it. And it worked, not instantly, but it did work after like six months. We had a lot of growing pains. In, in, in trying to scale the business from Vancouver to Calgary, because we had never done that. I had never written a book on scaling a business. I, was, I had never started a business. This was my first business. I was learning on the fly. And when you have other personalities, everything kind of, um, you know, starts to kind of clash at, when you're at a, the 20 employee mark. You know, it's no longer my business or my co-founder's business. It's everybody's business. So now we need to make joint decisions. But as a founder, you sometimes struggle with letting go of what you started to give to someone else that you brought in. It's hard. Like right? mm-hmm. your ego comes into play, right? But we scaled it into Calgary. We saw success almost in, you know, within six months. And I was like, you know what? We can do this. But we need to think about how we want to do it. And we can't keep having Calgary buzz, Toronto buzz, Montreal buzz. If we want to go global or, and, or Canadian or wherever, there's too many domains to manage, too much going on. I, 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 if we're going to bite the bullet, let's do it now and, and, and rip the cord and, and change to a new name and network it out under with cities under it, as opposed to each domain and everything. Now, both aren't, there's, pro, there's pros and cons to both of those ideas. The biggest con was we lost so much of the SEO juice and brand equity in yeah. Vancouver. And we knew that that was a risk. It was not a something that wasn't lost on me we instantly dropped our our traffic dropped 20 percent because of all the seo stuff that was gone and we had to rebuild it all but it was still early in the game that i was like if we were going to do it 
This is when we do it. And we did it. And everybody was in agreement, I think. Um, but it was hard. It was hard. It wasn't an easy thing. I still called it for about six months after events debuzz. And people that I talked to would still call it that for about a year. Uh, and then it became Daily Hive. And now people talk and they're like, I don't think, you know, most people don't even know it. And they're like, yeah, Daily Hive, Daily Hive, Daily Hive, right? So. Yeah, no, I hear you. You know, we went, we, you know, when we rebranded, we had the exact same problem. So you know, you're going to get kicked in the old head with, you know, the SEO, but you got to do it. And it does take like a year almost for us to, to, to kind of get back to where you want to be. Um, and yeah. also that confusion and everything. So I, I, I dig that. It, it was not easy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I bet. Well, you know, the thing that I think is so important about, you know, your publication, I'll call it a publication, but really it's, it's, it's you know, what, what you touched on, it's community. Like you are the heart of the community. You are not talking about, you know, Safeway has this many jobs open. You're talking about, you know, this is a local story and this is the, the, the person behind that story. And people really love, you know, the, the, the media that you produce, the pictures, because it feels like, hey, that's me. Like this morning, you had, a, uh, I saw on Twitter, you had a, a picture from uh, the, the, the Borough Street Bridge. Okay. Yep. That was me going, oh my God, I stood right there and thought the same thing. And that's gorgeous. And I thought, man, my yeah. city is gorgeous. You know, yeah. you're showcasing that. I feel what you're feeling. At least I feel that. Now, how do you move into Calgary? And it's not your community. How do you yeah. translate that without saying, hey, I need someone from Calgary to do that for me? Like, what, what was the steps for that? So the steps for like those markets are, it's, it's a little bit different. You have to go into each market, at, you know, a, it's a new market, but you have to go in and you have to learn it and understand the nuances of that market. And, you know, yeah, I wasn't me in there. I can't be on the ground in every new market that we launched. That's not scalable. That's not feasible. That's not good for my family and my friends and my personal like health <laughs> to be like moving around. I, you know, like I, I, I've rooted myself here and I, I'm like an ambassador for this city, but we need to find equal ambassadors in every city. And that's hard to find. That is very, very hard to find. You, there's even in Calgary, I look and like, who's their ambassador. They really, um, I can't find one. Right. Like they don't have one like that. And can we be that then as an entity, be an ambassador for the city? So it's not an individual, but now it's the whole organization becomes an ambassador for every city that we go into, you know, calling out the good and the bad, not just because, because if you just talk about the good, then you never really talk about, and you don't talk about the bad, you never get to something great mm -hmm. is the way I look at it. So it's, it's almost a, it's a joint effort, you know, but one of the things that I need, I'm going to start doing is in understanding those communities and really get into those communities and talk to the movers and shakers in those communities. And with social media and zoom and everything else, it's not hard. Yeah. I've made so many good connections in, in Toronto, um, in, in this, over the pandemic that I couldn't even make when I was going there physically, because when you're physically there, I can only see so many people. And the traffic in that city is nuts, right? Getting from one to the other place and everybody's so distributed. Like in Vancouver, almost everybody congregates to the core. And even if you're in Surrey, it's only 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. There it's different. Yeah. And so I can only meet so many people. That's why I met so many more people online that I've made bigger, deeper connections, either through Clubhouse, Twitter, Instagram, that now I'm like, we're equally leveraging to grow each other's businesses. So, I mean, so basically you're saying the community, everything, if social media didn't exist, like your, your media empire, it would be a challenge, I would imagine. You, you cannot start a media in, uh, empire from scratch. I mean, you can, but we started with no money. Mm -hmm. Social media was a great equalizer. You uh, now, even if you start a media company, you better bring dollars to the table because 
Social media isn't the way it was back then. It was free for all. It was wild, wild west. Put your stuff out there. There was no algorithms or the algorithms were heavily skewed to those that just posted and got shared the most. Now it's pay for play. So if you're going to come in and we've had people try to come in and take our market share in Vancouver and every other market, um, you have to come armed with a strategy and a plan and dollars. And even then you may not succeed. So you better be in it for the long haul or don't even do it. Like if you're not really passionate about it, don't do it. If you're passionate about it, do it. Go for it. Because the more competition, the more people that talk about community, the better. You know, at first I saw everybody as adversarial and competitors. Now I see everybody as we're the news community. We're all in this together. There's enough market share and money for everybody. I have no ill will towards any media outlet. If you have it towards me, that's fine. But I will not. I'm not going to approach it that way anymore. But that's the growth of me. The the maturation of Karm, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I wasn't like that in the beginning. But, you know, I would would argue that a lot of the traditional media, you know, the the, the Sun, the province, all of those things, I think they had to learn from you. Like, it it was never the other way around. I think they had to look at how you are producing, again, honest, beautiful media. You know, I I go on the Instagram feed you guys have, and, you know, even if it's a contest or something like that, the, the pictures are always HD. Like they're, they're, they're compelling. They're slamming me in my brain of beauty. And again, remind me of why I love being in the community that I'm in. Um, And I don't think the Vancouver sun does that. I think they probably just grab, what's the stock photo that we have? Just put it out there, but your, your, your media always looks new and fresh. And I think they have to learn from you not the other way around. I think that's basically what they're ha- what's, what's happening. I think it was a little bit of both. We were learning how to be more, like how do we be journalists? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we didn't go to school for that. So we <laughs> learned as well. Um, and now we don't have to learn because we just hire people from all over media and they have already come trained. Mm-hmm. And they kind of just have to learn the nuances of each publication. But, you know, they can, they're, they're smart individuals. They can figure it out. But yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, we centered our media empire, quote unquote, around marketing mm-hmm. you know we marketed the content we thought about everything as a marketing tool everything was marketing 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 we centered it around that and when you look at the function the content we create is still marketing it's content but you got to market it for people to see it right everything is marketing so we centered it early on around marketing now we're you know we're we're, we're, we're rooting it in, in 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 content and 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 sales and 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 marketing right and the product but that took us what were you, 13 years almost? Like that took us a long ass time to get there. Uh, and, and, you know, journalism's hard. And there's a lot of pitfalls, obviously, in journalism. Has there been any a time where, you know, a, a learning moment, let's just call it, where you realize, oh my gosh, we shouldn't have published that? Is there anything that, uh, you know, you, you, you learned along the way? Oh, yeah, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Taking you to a bad place. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for that. Uh, yeah, we, we published a lot of stuff that, in the past, you know, we just didn't do it right, but we didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm always one for like the rules are made by people that have already won. So they keep and make the rules so that anybody else that tries to come in, it's going to be damn near impossible to play by the rules and succeed. You can do it, but it's, it, you got to come, like I said, well funded at that point. Yeah. So we kind of looked at it like we just made our own rules. And, and and kind of went with how we wanted to approach media but there's certain things that we that can't be broken you know media rules and we did break some of those and we learned from it and we try not to break them now Where, will we make some mistakes going forward of course but you know what so does the cbc 
so does the Globe and Mail, so does the National Post, so does the Post Media. Those, you know, and 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 some of the racial undertones that they throw out as front page news is something that we got hammered for one story, and it was a you know it was not even meant to be done that way. Like it was totally just like fuck. We just why did we put you know Middle Eastern in the title? It didn't have to be in there, but we did it because that's how it was described in the police report. Like we sh- you know, and then we got flack for that. But we learned from that. And I, I mean, I think we might've messed up a here or there, like, you know, still we've done some, but like, everybody makes mistakes, right? But we get a microscope on us because when we make a mistake, traditional media loves to point that out. Their journalists love to call us out as if there's some sort of, you know, perfect people walking this earth that have never done anything wrong in their life. Not all of them, but there's a handful and I know who they are but I have nothing against them. They're, they're just trying to make a buck and they hate us because we've done something that threatens, in their eyes, probably threatens their livelihood. But if, what it does is it actually strengthens the, the industry further. We've created jobs that wouldn't be here. We've created 25 journalism jobs that wouldn't be here. Well, well- Talking about those, I mean, what what was the first hires you did? Like, what what did you see as important? You know, besides friends, because <laughs> it sounds like you definitely had a lot of friends along the way helping yeah. you. Yeah. What were the first What were the first roles you hired for that you knew? Hey, we need to fill this. Um, this is going to make us better and uh, you know expand our 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 empire. First roles we hired for were writers. Um, we had two individuals that worked for us free uh, for a year, full time, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I told them, I go, look, we don't make much money now, but I'm working on a figuring out how to make money. And any money that I make that we don't need to pay for, you know, legal and website maintenance or whatever other costs to operate the business. And it was very few, like there was not much cost because we were not in an office at the time. Um, We're like, I'm going to pay you first. So I'm not going to collect any of that money. So I will promise you a full-time job first at this salary. And I think it was like $36,000 a year, which is not bad starting salary seven years ago. Right. Like, shit, some people get $36,000 a year starting now still right in Vancouver and Toronto. And that's not enough to live. But seven years ago, you know, it's a decent starting salary. So we had two people, um, one of which is uh, still here with us. And, you know, we gave them they were our first hires. They were writers. And then we brought in um, a food writer. And, and, and most of them were writers. We needed people that could actually write. You know, that was it. I, I knew how to market. But I needed people that could write and write more stories. Quantity was the thing we needed. You know, I need, I was like, our stories are getting lots of traffic. I need more of them, but I can only produce so many. So that was our first few hires as writers. We didn't bring in a salesperson until like, I think the fifth or sixth hire. What would a salesperson be doing? Like, what would a role of a salesperson be doing in your, in your company? Right now, they, I mean, they're, they're going out selling branded content. They're trying to sell out sponsored content, social content, video content. Um, we launched a restaurant guide. So now we have a sales team that we're building out for our, what we call posted, which is our version of classifieds, but we're flipping it a little bit where we're bringing social media and, and the idea of classifieds together and community. And like, how do we re reimagine what classifieds are? Cause usually they're kind of boring, but they are always money generating mach- machines for, for all news organizations. Mm-hmm. But how do we do it so that there's value? actual value because most classifieds i don't know if they provide the value that you, you know people are looking for so that you know that's what our salespeople they have a we have a lot of products that we can sell 
um, and we're, we're growing all the markets. And then there's an agency side of things in Toronto. We're building out our sales team. Um, it, 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 the future, like, you know, we're 13 years in, but we really didn't think of this as an organization and as a startup until like year five, six, the first five, six years was a, ho- it was a hobby. I always tell people it was a hobby. Like we didn't start it with the idea of it becoming a business until like year four or five or something like that. So, you know, we're 13 years in, but really it's like six, seven years of actually trying to build the business. Oh, the focus, the focus from yeah, fun, the focus. To fun to focus. Like, yeah. I, I, I definitely dig that. Well, you know what? So you started basically a blog. Mm-hmm. This is how you started. And then you moved into, I mean, again, you guys rule Instagram, all of those things. What about the new media, like the Tiki Talk, you know, the, 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 the stuff the kids like? Um, are, yeah. you, are you on those platforms too? Or are you always looking for the new platforms of where you can, you know, find uh, the, the, the next uh, generation's voice? Yeah. Yeah. So we're on TikTok. We've, we did, admittedly, we got on it late. Um, but it was just like the pandemic hit and we were trying to reimagine the whole organization. Um, and TikTok hit its stride during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And in hindsight, what I should have done and what we should have done as an organization is hired a content creator as one of our hires. It would have been subsidized by Mr. Trudeau anyways at 75%. Mm-hmm. I should have done that, but my mind was so focused on, you know, hey, the finances, the budgets, the, the, the human am- impact of what the toll it's taking on people and that kind of stuff. So we didn't have it up there, we, but we started it, you know, midway through and we gained a decent following on it, but we still don't have a dedicated person. We're actually hiring for a dedicated creator now. That out of all the new platforms that have kind of come, TikTok seems to have that one stickiness that it's going to stick around because that's one thing you always, you don't want to put your eggs into a basket and then it's gone, right? Um, but the flip side of that is if you wait to it for it to get established, then, then you're facing an uphill battle. So we're not really built yet to explore new content platforms with a snap of a finger. But that's something that a new director of marketing is going to have to figure out when we hire he or him or her. <laughs> that's how the guy I want that. I mean, what, you got to get there because if not, the, the next Van City buzz joins the Tiki Talk. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, uh, you've got uh, something different instead of being able to be on the beachhead yourself. Of, exactly. Of, uh, of being there. Well, I mean, so you're in, you're in multiple different, um, well, besides multiple different cities, you're, you're covering multiple different, uh, you know, from food to real estate, to all these things. What, what's it like to, to branch out into these, in these different industries? And, and has it been easier to segment your, your stories into, you know, into categories or, or why, why did you do that? The idea of breaking our content into channels was a branding exercise at first. I was like, we do a lot of food content, but we're not known for it. Mm-hmm. Why? You know? Okay. And I was like, well, what if we, and we do a lot of real estate and sports content, but nobody knows that we do that because it all gets mixed in everything. So, you know, we look at our, our, our strategy and like, how can we, as an organization, build brands within our overall brand of Daily Hive and build an ecosystem of brands that live on their own one day? And I say one day because they still haven't fulfilled their destiny of how, living on their own yet. They're just starting. And the starting point is the branding, the ideation of it, and then the writing. That's the starting point. Then we look at, okay, establishing that brand across the nation and then the monetization strategy around that. So really looking at it as a dual-sided kind of play. You, you build up the channel strategy and the identity, and now instead of just selling Daily Hive, I can just go into a product and I'm selling Dish. Oh, you're a realtor. You, you, you got to get on Urbanize because nobody covers real estate like Urbanize. 
And that has more power. It's a little bit more niche of an audience and we can funnel it. So we get the mass audience, but we funnel it into niche. And it also gives us a lot of insight as to what people are consuming and we can double, triple down on some stuff. Um, and then you see what we built with the restaurant guide, the dish guide. That's part of our, that was like always part of our strategy is to li link some sort of guide that is monetized, that we can monetize. But we do it in a way where it brings in our social, our content, uh, and, and, and provides value for our, our customer. Mm -hmm. but also for the reader that's going to be checking out the guide. So how do we bring all that together at an affordable price point that delivers the end goal of page views and monetizing in revenue, right? Like revenue, like how do we do that without losing our soul, you know, and our, yeah. and, and our, and our focus. Um, it's, it's actually very, in my head, I think it's actually very easy. Mm -hmm. I was like, Hey, I just told you how, like, guys right but it's really that in a, it's one of my weaknesses is i'd like i can see where it's all gonna go to get there and to execute is a weakness of mine because i don't like to get into the i want to do it but i don't want to write it out in a document outlining it that's right that, so, that again founder founder versus executive you know, you've got the vision, you know where you want to take it, but you got to be able to be, you know, tell the, the, the soldiers who are going to get you there. How do you, how do you communicate that to them? And hopefully you find enough of the, the higher level, you know, soldiers that just read your mind. Cause honestly, you find those people, right? They just yeah. know where you want to go. You just say, Hey, food, we need to go with food. And they're like, this is how we're going to do it. And they, yeah. they're going to help you along the way. And you and, got and trust we, in those people. Yeah. We got some great people. Mm -hmm. I'm very fortunate. We got an amazing team. So Without them, we, I, you know, I don't even think you'd be interviewing me. You'd be like, well, forget, forget this guy. Like, uh, you know, come like, on. We're, we're, we're always excited to be talking to you. Come on. Don't, don't, even, <laughs> don't, don't even think anything less. Well, when, you, when you're doing one of these segmented um, market, market types, when you're, when you're trying to think about a like dish and all that, do you always do Mothership Vancouver first or do you try one of the other markets first, you know, like a Portland no. or something like that? No, we go with the Mothership. It's our, it, this is like our... It's like a research and development lab almost, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, it's in, a, in an odd way. We, the, what we launched with, with Dish was launched in Vancouver and then we took it across the nation and people liked it from day one. Mm -hmm. And we had monetized it right away too because we had American Express back in and they sponsored the whole section for like six months. So I was like, oh. Shit, this is what I was talking about. I didn't think it was going to happen this fast, but awesome. It validates me now going in front of the team saying like, I told you, like we can make money off this and now I can give raises and all this other stuff and scale further right um but happy. vancouver yeah makes them makes them happy which is very important um mm -hmm. uh, but vancouver is a mothership and is where we beta test everything and our our audience is a little bit more forgiving in the vancouver market if we do mess up because they've been with us for so long and they kind of know this is what we do we test stuff out in other markets man you got to go in and like you got to get your shit like straight especially someone like toronto and montreal they're not messing around you only get one first impression and you got to like just you got to make it deliberate with impact. For sure. Well, it, like Toronto or, you know, huge market, obviously, or, you know, or, or you know, Portland, we'll call that kind of a, a Calgary in America, you know, it's a good, yeah. good size market, but not maybe, maybe not as big a media market. Do you have pushback saying, hey, you're not local? Like you're trying to be local, but you're not local. Like, do you ever have pushback like that? Uh, no, not so much because we employ local writers mm. and that makes us local. You know, Good. I mean, we're like what, what news organization is truly local? You know, most of the news organizations are born out of Toronto in this mm -hmm. country. 
and you see it with the coverage. You know, they can't even get outside of Bay Street, most of them. Like, it's so ridiculous. But I don't want to read more about the Maple Leafs. I do not care about reading about well, the Maple Leafs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But 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 I get it. You know, Canada is a small country. It's California in, in you know, in, in a roundabout way. That's all we are. Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. latch on to where there's biggest market share. 10 million people across, you know, from the Niagara Peninsula all the way to Toronto. I get it. The Golden Horseshoe, whatever they call it. I get it. But, like. To me, it's just ridiculous. And that they, I don't know. If you're a national news organization, I feel like you should be able to really have people and stories from a national lens um, and not just negative ones, you know, like mm-hmm. actual good stories. But you don't get that. And, and it's, it's evident in tech, you know. They'll tell the stories and tell the stories of Toronto and, and Waterloo and maybe Montreal. But Vancouver companies have to really do well. And even then, they get a tenth of the coverage that a, that a company out of Ontario will get. Completely, completely. You know, uh, when I, I have a lot of f- family and I do, I do a lot of San Francisco, New York, like, you know, business trips down there. And they always ask, oh, what's the, what's the scene like in Canada? And, you know, two years ago, I would say, oh, Toronto's on fire. And I, I do think they're on fire. You know, look mm-hmm. at, I mean, how many, they are. how many, you know, companies and, and, and I'd even argue some anchor companies are, are coming out of Ontario now, but I would also argue, holy crap, there's a lot of big companies, unicorns, they're just popping out of nowhere in Vancouver. And I think it's just super exciting to be part of that and to see what direction is that going to take us? You know, we're going to get some, some international recognition from some mm-hmm. of these companies. I mean, if you look at Dapper Labs and the, the direction yeah. they're taking, I mean, they, NFTs are hot, but they're the hottest company in the world at it. Like they kind of invented it, you know? So they, I think there's yeah. so much opportunity here. So much opportunity here. There, there's so much opportunity, so many great people. Mm-hmm. In Dapper Labs is like a great example of it. Then you have some like later, I think Gifik is going mm-hmm. public, Abcellera. There's so many great organizations here, but they, they barely get, either we don't know how to market ourselves, which is probably part of the problem, or we mm-hmm. just don't have the time to market ourselves, or, or we just don't get the spotlight. Like nobody, Dapper Labs is, is what anybody should be talking about right now. Completely. NBA Top Shot is like insanely crazy. Like I actually missed the drop today. I totally forgot about it. But like there was a drop. Yeah, today. I saw that. Ninety nine yeah. bucks one. It was it was it was one you can get in, but uh, yeah. you know it's hard to get. It's hard to yeah. still buy it. So but, yeah, but like you know, there's there's momentum in the city right now, mm-hmm. and it's not just in tech, but it, it's it's very diverse. The economy, like mm-hmm. there's a lot of good restaurant groups. There's a lot of good apparel companies out of here. A lot of good, obviously, real estate development companies. Tourism is booming. It's year-round with Whistler being there and Vancouver and the song. Like, it's all there. It just needs to be tied in municipally and provincially. And hopefully the federal government recognizes that, hey, you can't just put all your eggs into Ontario. you got to put your eggs into the West. And it looks like out of Alberta and, and BC, BC's won the, the battle because Alberta never diversified its economy, unfortunately. They should have. And they're, they're trying to. to. They're going to have they're, to. They're trying, but it's like, like you, when? Like, you should have been doing this 15 years ago. But right? You, you, you know something that's interesting about the tech scene here right now and the, and the gravity that's coming from it right now is, uh, so um, I'm going to butcher this name. I, I hate it. There's a great podcaster of Jason Calisanis. Or a, oh, I know uh, who you're talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? And did you know last week or two weeks ago, he had two podcasts back to back. One, Kim Kaplan with Snack. And then the other one, right. Rohan, from, from Dapper Labs. And Dapper not Labs. once do they mention Canadian, Vancouver, or anything. It's just a big technology company. And the fact that they didn't even have to mention, oh, you're from a backwater of Vancouver, you know, from you know San Francisco. Yeah. 
that says a lot about the excitement of, of, of new ideas and, and software and opportunities that's coming out of here. And I can't wait for the next generation, you know, again. I can, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be so good. I see so many dudes and like girls and like everybody, these little kids, they have such great ideas. Mm -hmm. They just need someone to support them and show them the way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's it and the government is not unfortunately going to do it it looks like even with the bc budget that was announced like i was pretty upset that was that nothing. Just, it was clean tech which is such a catch-all but what about everything else like we do yeah. so, so well in ar vr and you know fintech is not a we're pretty decent in fintech oh, yeah. you know people don't know that but we are but we never talk mm -hmm. about it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that and that's part of our problem uh, I I, I dig that, but you know what? I think we're going to have opportunity to start talking about it. And we, maybe I we don't need so. government. You know what? We just need the Daily Hive to 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 be this the 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 point of the spear to showcase yeah. through the world how great. I mean, you know, we we talked about Dapper. When I found out that NBA Top Shot was out of Vancouver, I was like, "What?" Mm. That blew my mind, and I was like, "We're writing about this mm -hmm, mm -hmm, sure mm -hmm. because this is the biggest thing in NFT. They started NFTs pretty much." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, you know, I was I was in Vietnam at Christmas two years ago, and I'm reading the New York Times in the taxi, and they're talking about crypto kitties, and I'm like, Yeah, they started that too. Yeah. I was hanging out with Mac, like you know, I had lunch with him like two months before that, and he he mentioned you they were doing something kind of cool or whatever, and it's like, yeah. holy crap! I'm just telling my wife like, this is New York Times, like this is the big time. So I, yeah. I thought that was so cool. Well, you know what. This, this podcast, it's all about, you know, talking to the, 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 the great, you know, founders of companies that, you know, have done great things um, in Canada. And the whole premise is to try to help not educate, but prepare the next generation of, of startups. So can you give a piece of advice to, to, to a young Canadian entrepreneur or, or, or a, new, a new Canadian entrepreneur? Because well, well, Can Canadians right. are full of immigrants as well. Um, yeah. Or Canada, Canadians, you know what I mean. Um, what's one... <laughs> piece of advice that you could give that, you know, that, that you, you, you've learned from that can help them scale faster, be better, whatever. I think network and mentorship is key for sure. You know, don't be afraid to reach out to someone like, I'm not saying me, but even someone higher and more powerful than me, you know, in this, in this city or country. And now with zoom, you can go anywhere, to be honest, find good mentorship. That's actually, you know, willing to help you in starting or scaling a business because you probably have an idea but you just don't know how to get it off the ground and you see so many great ideas kind of fail and then some other company or some other person picks up the pieces mm -hmm. ideates and manipulates it a little bit and then they, it takes off <clears throat> right so that's probably the biggest advice is just like, talk to as many people as you can and and listen to them um and let it just seep in and then see how it formulates and what comes out of that that's one thing and then like other thing is like don't get discouraged if you're not making any money if you're chasing dollars like we said earlier on mm -hmm. and that's your main motivation then learn the stock market and figure that out or something else because if you're a business owner or you want to start a business it's actually a very hard road to money and seldom do you actually make money it is all about the journey and the journey is freaking fun and i always say that like you know when we launch in a new market it's anticlimactic. To me, it's not the celebration point. All throughout, it, it was celebration. But when I tell people about that, and even my significant other, others, like, why aren't you celebrating? It's like, has it finished now? The journey was, I was having fun all along. But they weren't. They were working and thinking in a different way. And their mindsets are different. Uh, and that's the founder mentality, right? Is what you said. And I never really actually had that 
said so well to me, mm. but it really describes my pivotal point that I'm having right now as we try to scale. I have to move out of this founder mentality and adopt a flexible, more founder slash exec mentality because it, uh, you can still scale, but you're going to stumble so many ways towards success. But if you can get that exec mentality in or find someone that can complement your ideas, that might be the easier route to execute. You will get there faster. Completely. Completely. But it's just, it's, for me, it's so weird. Yeah, it's you, so you, weird to think that way. You, you know what the best thing I ever did? Hire a CEO. So yeah. I can do things like this because I love this stuff. And then they can work on the details. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the way to, to, to grow, I think, and just trust and love that person so that you know that they're going to do what they, you know, what you've empowered them to do. So one last exactly. question. One last question. This is the important question. And I touched on the beginning. When are you running for mayor or for premier or, or the big job? Hmm? Mm, Come on, bro. I'm not running. Uh, I can. Ha- I, I feel like. I feel like I can have more impact on the outside to inform. Like I've actually. Like I don't know if you noticed, but the the, the tune at City Hall has changed since I I started mm-hmm. calling them out, and then others joined in because they also felt empowered that they could do it. Because they a lot of people felt this way. I wasn't alone in this. I just said it in a way that was, you know, in hindsight, maybe I, I was a little too maybe vulgar at times, a little brash and cocky. But sometimes you have to be that for them to kind of hear you and like, look at me, look at me mm-hmm. kind of thing. And now I'm t- a little bit more tactful, but, but like I see what's going on and I was like, change is happening. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody, if you can, yeah, you can make a difference mm-hmm. if you get involved in municipal level politics, which is probably the most important level, but we never really ever factor that in this is probably gonna be the craziest municipal election in a long long time with all the stuff that's happening and i love it because people are engaged in it and out of it no matter what happens the city will be better for it right the f1 electric car racing that looks announced. super cool that looks, looks super, super cool. cool we need yeah. that you yep. know and yeah. and most of the i hear most of the people are like yeah this looks like a good idea let's explore it before mm-hmm. it was a hard no but now because I'm in media and I can find out that who said no and I can call them out, there's accountability that they have to face before it was closed doors. Oh, we don't know, whatever. Six people watched our in-council session. It was kind of done, right? So, so, so I don't want to run for mayor, bro. Like, uh, I can't. You, you know just, what? Mark, mark my words. Right now, you're the Murdoch. You're going to be the Trudeau, okay? And I will support you. And you, you, you've, got, you've, got my, you've got my promise on that. You can call me out at any time. Oh, hey, hey. hey I... I'm always looking for support. If I ever do go down that route in eight to 12 years, when I'm in mm-hmm. my 50s, maybe, I don't know. And I just, I feel like you can do more. I mean, who knows? You never know. I never thought I would be running a media organization, right? So I'm never going to say never. Let's say that. There, there, there you go. Well, hey, Car- thanks so much for joining us today. Honestly, this was, so, I've been looking so forward to this and it was so much fun uh, to, to learn more about, oh, I- you know, you daily hive everything and I, I can't wait to continue you know following you for the uh, the next uh, 25 years as you uh, you know take on the world and you start publishing in uh, Myanmar and uh, you know Burkina Faso so uh... and <laughs> I can't believe you said Myanmar like you know 
like that, that for some reason that that one that place because of a Seinfeld episode always stuck in my head because it was formerly known as Burma. Burma, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah Burma, like, Burma, I, Faso. Okay, there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, like Myanmar sticks out for that reason. I have a weird recollection of Simpsons and Seinfeld quotes in my head. It's just weird. I, I, I think we got that together. I think we got that together. But again, thank you so much, and keep doing the great stuff that you do. Because honestly, Vancouver is a better city. We have we have better connective tissue as a, as 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 a, as a as a family, as a city, as everything because of the work you and your team do. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. That's actually yeah, and like yeah, it is a team. You know, uh, it's it's a team effort, and there's so many more smart smarter people in this organization than I am. Yeah, I, but you put in there, I, which makes you smart. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Excellent. All right, brother. Ahoy, afternoon tea listeners. If you got this far, I assume you liked this episode, and that is awesome. Thank you. In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your feeds from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast with a goal to share the stories of Canada's successful tech entrepreneurs in order to prepare the next wave of founders. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we would love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That is P-O-D-C-A-S-T at TTT, that is three T's, dot studio. You will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us at social media at TTT underscore studios. I look forward to chatting with you soon.